She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. There's a corollary for the traveler for for the days of the week. Yeah. In the beginning, the the days of the week are the days of the week, <laughs> and then you travel long enough, and they're no longer the days of the week. Yeah. And then they're the days of the week again. I know. It's like... <laughs> and to be honest, as soon as you're gonna get back into work in any way, you have to you have to be somewhat in tune with the kind of rhythms yeah. of, of people's work days yeah. and, and, yeah, and yeah, weekends. Totally. So, so you end up kind of falling back into them to some degree because it's a necessity if yeah. you're going to interact and work with other people who, who do that. Yeah. That's, it's so funny we're talking about all this when actually today's Memorial Day. So it's oh, like, yeah. what is it? <laughs> <laughs> so they, well, there, there's the flexibility. There's the like, whatever. <laughs> doing things has hit its limit yeah you now have to figure out how to do things different to to reach a new level yeah. right and my mentor would would always say well that sounds like a good problem to have <laughs> i fucking hated him for that i hated it you know he'd always like kind of throw it back in my face like that but it's true <laughs> people and welcome to a brand new episode of the far out podcast what she said i know i know it's all the time uh, <laughs> not all the time <laughs> please no um hey you we uh, are having a fun conversation today yeah yeah and uh, i i kind of was interviewing alistair which you're a I great always... interviewer thank you uh, so I, uh, I really enjoyed it that's yeah. because i love listening to the feeling tones and then prodding the feeling tones yeah uh so today we talk about the wild within yeah. alistair's company that he co-founded with Kelly, his business partner. Yeah, we're, we're on the verge of uh, leading a few retreats this summer. And uh, the Wild Within has had a revival after last year's pandemic mm-hmm. and also a rebranding. Um, so we talk a bit about that journey. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's I was going to say surprisingly, but no, it's, it's a very spiritual conversation, as always. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, fellow journeyers. Hello, everyone. It's Good nice to have to you. Have you. Yeah. Yes. Ditto. Ditto. <laughs> Jinx. Um, <laughs> it's really good to have you here. Uh, we have another episode today, and we are going to start with just a little update because you know we love our updates. Yeah, we're in the. Uh, we've been hanging out in the forest near Sisters, Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, for like uh, over a it's week. It's been now. a week now. Yeah. yeah. We've we've perfected the art of staying in one place. It's funny because we're travelers, but we don't like to move. <laughs> Alistair told me that yesterday. I was like, I'm not a traveler. And he was like, you are. I was like, no, I haven't identified as a traveler since we moved in the caravan in 2018. I just have to travel because it makes financial sense. <laughs> There's something interesting in that because I feel like because we've lived the travel lifestyle, and yes, it was a bit of a challenge to disidentify from being a traveler. There, There's kind of... It's alluring yeah. and it's kind of seductive. Yeah. And I think we're starting to do that. But again, I've been doing that for three years. Yeah. Alistair has a bit more of an identity with the traveler than yeah. I did maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. To, it's a little hard to step out of. And at some point, it isn't serving anymore to identify yeah. as a traveler yeah. only. But the travel skills you learn, like one of the things I learned, I remember when I was in India and it was like, whoa. I can live off less than $10 a day here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pre-pandemic, I was like, this is a place I can always come, mm-hmm. almost, Yeah. if I need to live on the cheap. And I think one thing that you learn as a traveler is how to be very resourceful and live on little and kind of just be in your experience. And that's that's a skill set that translates really well to a lot of situations. So later on, and I th- feel like our camper life, this has been kind of true, is... 
we've used what we've learned as travelers mm -hmm. to kind of position ourselves or move into the new stages of life we want to. We've yeah. kind of taken that toolkit and that skill set to allow us to be more flexible and do things in a more creative way than I would have known how to do yeah. when I was living in an apartment in San Diego. Yeah. And that's been really beneficial. No, I, I agree. And I think now that you're, now that we're saying uh, we've been here for a week, I'm like, oh man, it doesn't take us very long to like find center again after doing a lot of moving around or a lot of highly, I don't know, like stimulating experiences. We can kind of like settle back into ourselves quite fast. And it's been quite a practice uh, and a training to go from like periods of a lot of activity and we've called we've talked about movement and stillness but we have these periods that are really intense mm -hmm. in a lot of ways peak experiences you know as a traveler um you're, you're kind of going through a lot of peak experiences a lot of uncertainty a lot of intense connections mm -hmm. and, and and all these things and that's one of the wonderful gifts of travel yeah and then we'll have these periods of kind of where we're not moving a lot and we kind of ground down and, and settle a bit and, and maybe integrate some of what we've learned. Yeah. Because I, I learned early on with traveling that if you just go from peak experience to peak experience, you're kind of chasing the dragon. It starts to become meaningless or it starts to become a little empty and you start to lose yourself a little bit and you've become ungrounded. And it has been a practice to shift skillfully from times where we're doing kind of a sprint or a lot of movement. There's a lot of things going on Two times where it's pretty quiet yeah. and there's not a lot going on. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's been really nice uh, this weekend. We said so it's Monday today as we're recording this. And this weekend we, we took, we put some time aside to go and do a big hike on Saturday. And that was a really nice day. There's something really nice about doing the weekend things at the same time as everyone else is doing them. So we were walking on the trail and then had to step out of the trail a few times because people on bikes were, you know, like kind of all-terrain bikes. People were like riding mountain biking, is that the word? Yeah. And that, that was that was really nice. And then because the days are so long right now, which is both, uh, it takes, it always takes me so long to adjust to the daylight savings time or I don't, is that the one we're mm -hmm. on or yeah. Because I'm I'm so confused. It's like, especially this far north, it's like the sun doesn't set really, it doesn't get really dark until 10 p.m. Yeah. And so yesterday we went on a hike at like 4.30 in the afternoon and we came back and it was 8 p.m. And it was still like bright as, you know, not even sunset yet. So that was... That's been really nice and rejuvenating. Um, and if you heard our previous episode, uh, you will know that I've been going through a little bit of a rough patch. And I can say this morning, I am feeling a little better. Like hope is uh, renewed. Um, yeah. That's some of the magic of, I think, walking yeah. in wilderness. And we, we went up to a really beautiful lookout uh, yesterday. Unexpectedly, honestly. I, I, I kind of thought, oh, that, that looks nice. Well, the name looks nice, but... Uh, I didn't expect it would be so beautiful. It basically, we were looking over a sea of juniper and ponderosa pine mm -hmm. in all directions. And in the distance are snow-covered peaks. This, I think they're the Sisters Mountains, mm -hmm. but it's the whole kind of mountain range that runs up the the western spine of, of Oregon. Yeah. It was really beautiful. And your comment reminds me of a kind of a, a Zen saying, right, which is, in the beginning, mountains are mountains, and then mountains are no longer mountains, and then mountains are mountains again. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's there's a corollary for the traveler for for the days of the week. Yeah. In the beginning, the the days of the week are the days of the week, <laughs> and then you travel long enough, and they're no longer the days of the week. Yeah. And then they're the days of the week again. I know. It's like, I have, I have appreciated. I, I used to, I went through a big period where I was like, first off, I didn't remember when we were like what day of the week it was because there was no reason for me to remember it's an achievement too yeah, i think I as a traveler it's, it's, it's a an important deal. stage to get there it's a big deal but then and then i went through a period where i was like man the system's so broken it should be the other way around we should work two days a week and have five days off and and now i'm back at like it's actually kind of nice the five day you yeah. work and then two days you work you don't work and then trying to make that coincide with other people's time off because it doesn't matter where you are it it doesn't matter if if you're really far removed from like civilization 
I can tell when it's a Sunday. Like there's an energy to a Sunday because collectively everyone has the same experience or more or less. I mean, I was in the hospitality industry and for a long time, Sundays were just work days. But even though, even then, I remember going into work and I was like, it's Sunday. I'm going to wear my sweatpants and I'm just going to chill out. And my mater D kind of took me aside after a while and he was like, you can't do that. <laughs> you, I mean, I changed into my work clothes when I got there, but he was like, this is a work day. You're not off on that day. You can't just show up and be only half here. You're still here. I was like, fuck you, man. But he was right. He was right. So. Sundays are Sundays again, and it's wonderful. And Mondays are Mondays again, which is why we're recording today. <laughs> it's great. It's great. And to have the flexibility for, you know, to do anything we want, because at the end of the day, it's like if we want a Friday to be a Sunday, we can. But there's a looseness on the other side of it, right? I remember when I started traveling and it was like the weekdays and the weekends were so rigidly instilled in me that like I got anxiety if I wasn't following that schedule, yeah. right? And then there was a time where like no day mattered. I didn't even know what day it was. Yeah. And that was fun. And but but I realized after a while, I was like, no, there's a utility mm -hmm. to having some structure and it can be a little bit looser and more flexible. Yeah. Um, but it's still a good guideline. Yes. Uh, and I'm more I tend to be more effective mm -hmm. in some sort of structure like that. Yeah. And like you said, sharing weekends with other people is nice. You you want to somewhat be on the same schedule as other people. Yeah, even if you have no contact with anyone else on that day, there's just, again, there's kind of a hum of energy in the air. And like, I know today's a Monday, even though we're in a campsite where everyone else is pretty much doing the same thing as we are. And to be honest, as soon as you're going to get back into work in any way, you have to, you have to be somewhat in tune with the kind of rhythms yeah. of of people's work days yeah. and, and, yeah, and yeah, weekends. Totally. So so you end up kind of falling back into them to some degree because it's a necessity if yeah. you're going to interact and work with other people who, who do that. Yeah. It's so funny. We're talking about all this when actually today's Memorial Day. So it's oh, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, but there, there's a flexibility. There's a, like, whatever. It's a Monday. We're sticking to it. Um, before we uh, get into our conversation today, we have a couple of shares because we've been, it's, it, I wouldn't say recently, we've actually been really uh, bad at actually talking about this, but this is it. We're talking about it. We have both been interviewed together. And then I also was interviewed by myself for a couple of podcasts podcasts and they're out so we need to share yeah. what, what happened the names and the uh, links to them will be in our show notes at the far life for this episode and um and so we were interviewed a couple of months ago a few months ago more uh, than a few it was before we went on the road yeah. uh but it's still an interesting kind of conversation talking about our past and our relationship like getting together and and then the early steps of our journey and that was a conversation where we were interviewed by Simon Ratcliffe who has the podcast Turning the Tables um I think it's from adversity to advantage yeah um, and it was about finding a better life and Simon puts out a really good podcast mm -hmm. uh he he does an incredible job editing it and yeah. putting it together and he's he's a really thoughtful interviewer uh, I enjoyed our conversation together and, yeah. and I think it's fun to be interviewed because you get someone else's perspective that intersects with yours and different things come up. Yeah. So if you're interested in, in kind of our journey and looking at it from a different perspective, mm -hmm. also, if you're interested in hearing about what we thought about that journey, probably about six or seven months ago yeah. compared to now, yeah, that's a good one. And yeah. it's all about the search for a different life, a life that was more aligned mm -hmm. so that was that was one and then i'd say a couple of months ago maybe it was in february or march i was interviewed by my friend paula and she has a uh, podcast about called a true story of being a woman and and her kind of idea is to have loose conversations with women about their journeys from early childhood to now, what it means to be a woman. And I really enjoyed that conversation. And I talked about things I've never talked about on, on here. It's a very different uh, tinge of Julie Roxanne. So I will put it's that your, in the it's show. your feminist side. And it's my, it's, and I don't know, it's my feminine femi side. Feminine side. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you, if sometimes you're like, God, Alistair talks too much on this podcast. I'm not on that one. Yeah, so. yeah. Alistair wasn't there. It was fun. <laughs> Um, and it's actually a it's actually a YouTube video, so there's like a video of us chatting, which I always oh, find nice. I always find nice. So I will put that in the show notes as well. There you go. And now moving on to we we always do like ten minutes 
like don't make it any longer no i know i'm just (laughs) today we uh we thought we would talk about the behind the scenes of your company alistair uh called wild within yeah it's it's been a crazy ride and and as your wife uh and life partner just being on the on the kind of on the sidelines of of it and watching the unfolding i i thought it would be an interesting conversation to have mainly because a a lot of things have happened because the pandemic kind of changed everything for you and your business partner kelly and that's probably a useful piece of context that you may or may not know is that I have a business partner mm-hmm. and we we co-founded this company so mm-hmm. we're 50-50 partners on it. We would love to have that conversation with her one day and I think it will happen. Right yeah. now uh it was not really doable in the timeline that that we had in her schedule but I know it's going to happen. And we've actually had a conversation with Kelly uh a while back on the podcast yeah. as well. I think the power of gathering or something to that extent. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was we'll, that. We'll yeah, yeah, yeah. And another one that pr- would provide some context to this conversation is our recent one about partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, although I wasn't speaking directly or specifically about our partnership, because uh, I've had several, uh, a lot of the themes are, are definitely uh, parallel. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's the last thing. Of, that's the thing I wanted to say about why are we talking about this? Because I think we're... Figuring out as we go more and more every day what we're about, what our podcast is about. And I think uh, there's a really strong tinge of spirituality in our podcast. And this is something that we love. And it seems like our you, our listeners, are really into that too. And one of the things, honestly, that we love the most on the spiritual journey is the business journey and the self-employment and the how you create a business how you grow a business and all that stuff it can be an avenue to the spiritual path it can totally be and i think that's a different approach that is not usually talked about um and it's one that i've i've found very helpful in my own journey with you know who i am what do i do how do i generate income and like what are my skills all that stuff so this is kind of the lens of this conversation today and uh i guess I mean, I don't know. What do you think is a good place to start for this? Because I think, I think actually a good place to start is kind of going back to when this company was still called Ripple Out Retreats and, and before kind of the pandemic changed, forced your hand into changing and, and recreating that, that company almost from the ground up. Yeah, we started this company, we started working on this project. It started out as a project, and it then kind of evolved into a full-blown company. And we started that work in 2018. So again, for those who are confused, we in this context is right. is Sorry, Kelly and I. No, 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 yeah. but you can say we. I mean, it's going to yeah. get old, but just, just for... But you too, in, in that, you were involved in the beginning, um, yeah. helping us get it off the ground, and you still are, um, just not as a partner. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm and, just a silent wife in the background. And really quickly, some of the inspiration for this was my own healing journey through walking through wilderness. And so we wanted to basically host a retreat that was that. And we did it in Yosemite. And we did that in 2019. And it was really successful. We were we managed to sell it out, um, which we kind of laugh at these days because uh, <laughs> a lot of business advice will say, hey, do like these small things, like maybe offer an ebook or do an e-course or all these other things, right? But don't start with a retreat. Yeah. Don't start there because that's the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. And and everyone wants to start there or whatever. Do don't start there. Yeah. And we started there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree, it's really hard to start there. Yeah. Um it, it it was really challenging. We've managed to do it and it actually seems to be the thing we're most successful at so far. Mm-hmm. And we're on the cusp now. Of, of leading two retreats this summer in Yosemite and a, and a third one in Guatemala at the end of the year. So we led our first retreat in 2019. It was great. And then we had four retreats chalked up for 2020 last year. Yeah. And, uh, and then, we were going to go everywhere. I was going to follow you. Yeah, follow you yeah there was Guatemala, there was France and Spain, and then there was Yosemite mm-hmm. um, for two of them. And then COVID hit in March. And we slowly came to the realization, first it was like, okay, maybe we have to cancel the Yosemite one. And then I was like, oh, we have to cancel the whole year. Yeah. And 
that was really painful. It's kind of like we had, we were just getting some momentum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had to basically dismantle everything we had worked to put together. Yeah. Um, it was pretty brutal. Also because for me, it was an expected source of income. That and was it the vanished. expected, yeah, the, the expected source of income. So that's where things were last year, which was basically very little happened. We we did keep the company alive by doing some online work, mm-hmm. um, some workshops that we're still doing now. One of them, uh, the, the one that we had the most success with was type. Mm-hmm. And so basically asking, okay, like we're a company around uh, kind of bringing people together. And it definitely has a spirit. It's definitely a spiritually focused company. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it's still called Ripple Out Retreats. And the idea was, well, it's kind of personal change ripples out into the world. Yeah. We were never super happy with that name, but it felt like something to start with. Mm-hmm. So we carried on some of the work through workshops. It didn't bring in a lot of money. Uh, I think we netted, well, we re- we registered a, a net loss on mm-hmm. the year uh, just with business expenses and things like that. Um, and we, we only, we pulled in less than $10,000 teaching workshops and stuff, mm-hmm. but the, it uh, allowed us to, you know, when you're in a partnership, it's important to stay engaged and working with the ideas, um, and keep that conversation going. Otherwise mm-hmm. it can kind of start to die. Yeah. And we spent a lot of the year, especially the second half of the year, trying to refocus what we were doing because Ripple Out felt a little too broad. It felt a little too vanilla. Well, plus, I, I remember the biggest issue was like, we don't know when we're going to be able to do retreats again. And there's a problem if our company is called Ripple Out Retreats because all of a sudden, like, that, that limits what you, what can, you do. can do. Yeah, and we roughly saw our company doing three things. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we call it is adventure. So the three categories are adventure, uh, wild work and community. Mm-hmm. Those are the three categories we have. And it's kind of a vision for the future and the vision of the arenas we want to play and serve in. Mm-hmm. Adventure being this idea of exploring, this is where our retreats fall under. And it's exploring be- beyond what's known, going into those unknown spaces, because that's where a lot of learning happens, a lot of inspiration that happens there. And it, it can be a really powerful experience to have yeah. these kind of peak experiences where we expand what we know and and, and expand our world and without one question that comes to mind here is like how was that time for you not 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 speaking for kelly because again like i really want her to come on the podcast and for you both to have a conversation on the podcast about this was like how was it for you the experience of Kind of seeing a, a dream crumble when when everything had to be canceled, and then and then the the push to okay, we need to rebrand, we need to kind of keep going because I think this is this is one of the things that is really hard and that touch touches into the spirituality of owning your own business and and especially something that is so creatively focused where you have to have a vision and you have to have a cohesive vision for people to understand what you're doing. How was that time for you? Because I can imagine it, it was probably pretty disorienting. Yeah, disorienting is exactly the word I'd use. Really painful too. Yeah. I think in the beginning I was in denial mm. about like, you know, just realizing how exposed you, like something like that happens and you just, you can't account for it at all. And apparently, and you you don't realize that you're completely vulnerable to mm-hmm. it. And so there was definitely a phase of shock and denial followed by disorientation mm-hmm. over a course of months, yeah. at least, and a lot of pain and frustration, uh, particularly in dismantling something we had worked so hard to put together because we had to cancel our retreats, issue yeah. refunds. I mean, we watched like you know, we, we, we had the first retreat completely booked and the other ones, we had spots, some spots booked. We sent back $30,000 mm. uh, in those first couple months. And for a small business, that hurts. Yeah. Luckily, this year, everyone stayed with us and everyone who was going to go last year is coming with us yeah. this year. So that, that's been great. Uh, the disorientation lasted longer. It's kind of, you know, it's almost like, almost like the five stages of of grief mm-hmm. basically because yeah. it was like losing a child in a way or, yeah. or at least having that child get severely injured and yeah. and its future be different for for forever yeah and then i think that's where it kind of forced us to ask like okay it does test your commitment yeah to something if if like everything goes wrong and like 
I guess until that point, you don't know if you're if you're totally committed to it or not. And so I think in some ways it's been really valuable because it's reaffirmed our passion for this. Mm -hmm. And I don't think if if our passion wasn't really strong about this, we would have dropped it there. And I think it also if our Kelly and I's relationship wasn't strong enough, mm -hmm. we would have dropped it there because it was tough. How how um, did you ever seriously? consider stopping just like giving up yes i mean when you see something we'd been working on it for like two full years at that point and we were just getting you know good momentum yeah uh so it was very discouraging and it was like you know in those situations it's hard to see the future and there is a need to 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 earn money yeah um And so I don't think I thought about it too too seriously. I, I felt more like, is this doomed? Mm -hmm. There there's a constant I, I don't I think this is probably true for a lot of a lot of people who start their own businesses or creative projects where it's like a struggle I con I, I constantly have is like, is this out of touch with reality? Mm -hmm. Like, am I so far because you have to dream these things up. Yeah. Like Ripple Out Retreats was a dream. It really was. When I I remember dreaming it when I was hiking through the Carpathian Mountains in Romania. Mm. I was dreaming up this thing, and then it started to materialize. And there's always this question of, like, am I in a dream? Am I being way too idealistic? Is this actually connected to reality, or have I lost the tether? Mm. You know, is this, like, is this actually going to manifest in revenue or a group that wants to do this? Is this realistic? Yeah. Right? Like, that's, I think, the, always the tension you're facing when you're when you're creating a business or a creative project is that tension between you, your imagination and dreaming up what might be possible the potential of it and still being tethered to some sort of reality mm -hmm. and that's one where uh, especially when something like the pandemic happens i would ask a lot like am i totally off base you know yeah d did i miss something big and i think and that's a long time when you don't have customers where You you have to wonder that. Yeah. I guess my question then would be, so you, you had these questions, you had these doubts, you wondered if this was doomed or not. How did you not only keep going, but actually use that as an opportunity to, to create the company almost anew? I think you have to be a foolish optimist. <laughs> and which is funny because I've usually been pegged as a pessimist in my life. Mm -hmm. And I and I always reframe it to being realistic. But it's, that's what it's, pessimists that's say. That's what pessimists say. My dad always says But that. there's definitely a deeper side of me that is an idealist. Mm -hmm. And I think to be an idealist, you sort of have to be optimistic. Yeah. And so there was definitely a foolish optimism. You know, honestly, I think we were lucky to have managed the retreat the year before and had started to see success because with success comes growing pains almost inevitably. You know, what works at, at one early stage is not going to work at the next stage. Yeah. As the company grows, there's new pressures and it brings to light things that were dormant before that are now like, because you're growing, you're reaching new limits. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the process of business building is transcending those limits or solving solving those those problems as they show up and being able to expand beyond them and that's almost inevitably a creative pursuit and a lot of times you know i had an old business partner who used to say it feels like it feels like chewing glass and looking into the abyss mm -hmm. and at times it does yeah. uh it, it does feel like that I think, honestly, I would credit my relationship with Kelly and what we were able to work out to that point. Because if it had happened earlier, I think we would have dropped the project. But I think at that point, we had started to see how dynamic and creative we could be as mm -hmm. a partnership. Mm -hmm. And some of, the, some of the benefits of us working together, the ways we fit in with each other and the ways like we could really optimize both of our strong suits um that that had become pretty clear at that point and we had also already worked through some you know pretty big challenges we we had missed some pretty big icebergs like mm. steered around them 
Um, and so I think there was enough trust and faith in our relationship that we could pull through this as well. And so after, you know, it almost kind of started to happen naturally. I think during that summer, for at least a couple months um, in the summer, when we really realized what this meant. And and also where it started to, it, it's like, oh, maybe this means this is completely fucked. Yeah. And, and we're done. Yeah. There seemed to be a spring of optimism and imagination that, that would bubble up in that, right? Like, everything had come down. Yeah. But but still, I caught myself imagining and, and working on it, like, conceptually and intuitively. And, and I think we both felt, okay, well, it became an opportunity. And it, because we both felt that we wanted this company to be bigger than Ripple Out Retreats. Mm-hmm. We wanted to do more than retreats. And that name was already getting too small for us. Yeah. And so we sort of saw it as an opportunity to to expand into those other areas, which were for us like community workshops, a combination of, of, of things going back to going back to there's the adventures. That's much, there's very much the retreat aspect of it, but there's also the wild work, which is, which is work in the process of individuation work. Mm -hmm. Wild work in my mind is finding out what you're here to do and be and, and stepping into that, embodying that more and more. And that's a, that's a constant process of work. Yeah. Um, and, and we wanted the company to speak to that too. And we also wanted the company to be a gathering spot for people on this kind of journey that were interested in this, because I find that to be pretty rare and I find that journey to be very difficult. And I think it, it's always beneficial to gather those people together who are on that very lonely, solitary path in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. because magic happens when you can bring that, those people together. So we started doing community events. We started teaching workshops and basically looking at it as like, okay, we can't do this anymore. So this is a chance to do these things that we thought we were going to try to do years later Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And we, you know, I'm not going to say we were wildly successful with them, but we did have success with them. We took about 40 or maybe more uh, people through our type workshop. And that, that was great because we proved we could do it. Mm-hmm. And and it allowed us to continue to work on, okay, as we started doing all that, it became really clear to us that ripoff retreats was not going to work. It was not a big enough vision for what we were doing. And so we focused on teaching the workshop, and which is very much a part-time project now. And then we also spent a lot of time trying to reimagine the company and trying to figure out different language for what we were doing. And that, I would say like, that was always kind of on the back burner. Like we knew that was something we needed to do, but now it's like, we had a massive window of time mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. And we knew that if we did do that, we would set ourselves up for when things returned because we had a sense that first off, we were noticing everyone was keeping their deposits with us and wanted to come with us next year. Mm. And that had been the case so far with everything we had done is that people were pretty loyal and people, we got a lot of positive feedback. And we also had the sense that what we were doing was going to be in demand or sought out on the other side of this yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So that really kind of, that really kind of steered us towards which I would say was like at least an eight month process. I would say eight month to a year process of working on, on rebranding the company. Yeah. I think that's a really key element. I was going to say it's not talked about very often, but it's not so much that it's just like, it can't really be talked about because those, those moments of letting a new vision stew, and working on a new vision, it's it's really it's a really like liminal space where you're trying to go and kind of go into that very dream state that you're talking about, and going to try and retrieve pieces of visions and things that can uh, create an identity for. I th- people talk about like brand identity, and and I feel like that's a that's a little bit of a. That sounds a little materialistic and a little like markety. I think it's more like raison d'etre. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, it's the thing is it's like a the company as you 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 refer to it as a place for people to gather, and it's like the same way a romantic partnership, a marriage is 
its own energetical entity and it, it has its own desires and it can be a place, right? Like it can be a, a conceptual energetical place where like can be a third entity in the relationship. For us, it's like there's you, there's me, and then there's our relationship. Those are the three things we're working with at all times. Yeah. That's kind of the same with, with a business. And I think that's when I, I can... I would say there's almost even a fourth one. There's you, there's your partner, there's you and your partner's relationship, and then there's the business. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the case of a business yeah. that is that is like co-led or co-founded, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And that's, I think... It's almost like the, 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 uh, the metaphor I would have is like the same way when a woman is pregnant, she will kind of like drift off into these more psychedelic spaces because the veil becomes so thin. You're literally carrying something in the underworld of your belly. And it's kind of a similar process. And, and so you're kind of constantly shifting in and out of these like, Here's reality and the grounded in reality, but then also being in this kind of dream world to try to go and retrieve the vision. And I guess I've seen you go through that and, and, and Kelly to, to, you know, alongside you. And I think, um, one of the things I've seen you both struggle with the most is trying to bring that vision back into reality. And also with that comes a lot of doubts that you have to grapple with, right? Around like, okay, I'm doing all this, but is it ever going to translate into, you know, a business that is successful enough to support me? Because it's, it, it support my life and my, you know, financial needs and all that stuff. And I guess a question for you would be like, how do you deal with the doubts and how do you deal with that tension between reality and the, the dream world? I don't know if I deal with it very well <laughs> because this goes back to my perennial fear of, of, of being too far in that dream world and not being rooted in reality. I think Kelly, um, actually, I think Kelly's kind of my anchor a mm. lot of times because in a lot of ways, the roles we take, what she, she allows me to go into that space a lot more. Mm -hmm. I'm not very present like in our social media accounts or like, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more detached and she's very good at being on the ground, relating with people. She's like definitely a woman of action. Mm -hmm. She makes things happen. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. I'm not. And I think that's given me some of the trust and confidence that I can go into these worlds because I have someone who's a bit more rooted in the reality and can help with the work of translating it into something that's actually relatable and, and that other people want. And so I think the fact that the structure, like everything kind of disintegrated in front of us mm -hmm. and that's really beneficial in reimagining because those structures often block you from seeing a different way you could do it. Yeah. So in some ways, like, you know, destruction is, you know, Shiva is both the God of destruction and, and creation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, they're, they're intimately connected. I would say that having Kelly around has been probably the biggest help in, in trying to bring that back. And we're still doing that. I, I've found constantly in my life that the return is the hardest part, like in travel too, mm -hmm. right? Like you go out, you find something new about yourself, right? Or you discover these qualities that were there or whatever. But one of the most challenging parts, and I've read many times how depressing and alienating it can be. And, and, is, is trying to return back to where you left and hold on to those things and, and start to embody them, right? Like, like that's, integration. Yeah, that's a, the integration, that's a life's work. And I think it's actually the harder side of the, the puzzle. And what also makes it such a spiritual endeavor, right, is it's, it's constantly trying to go into that imaginary world and then bring that stuff into this world. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think that means constantly... You know, in business talk, uh, pushing it till it fails or, or move move fast and break things. Mm -hmm. Like you, you have to do things to, to find out where it doesn't work and what's not being responded to. Yeah. So it, there's a lot of failure in it. Yeah, yeah, and that, I think that's probably that's probably kind of related to the doubts I was talking about. I've I've found in recent um, weeks actually that one of the things that has helped you move through some of the doubts or the fears or the, you know, cause it's like in your case, it's really challenging. 
you had a successful year in 2019 and ever since it's been a little bit of like a a grind of you yeah there's know, been no money coming in almost for for like a year and a half yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and like there's a there's a time where and, that and can you know, at some re- point you have to ask is like is this worth it yeah and am, am i am i missing something if yeah. there's nothing coming in for that long yeah a- am i holding on to something that's not real mm-hmm. or or is this persistence yeah is this is this like foolishness mm-hmm. and and illusion, or is it or is it faith and persistence? It's yeah. really hard to discern, and I and most of the time I'm not sure. Yeah, and I, but I wonder if that's the, that's not the eternal question of being your your own having your own company. You yeah, know, especially it's like especially a company that is focused around growth of others and growth of you as a founder, right? Because as you said, it's like you're constantly growing and outgrowing stages. And so you constantly, you have these growing pains and these new problems that arise. And I remember that's one of the things I learned from you because you were always very business oriented. And for the first two years of our relationship, I heard you have all these ways of thinking about the world and life and the process that were very business influenced and that I'd never heard anywhere because that I that, that was not the realm I was coming from. And this idea that it's like, you know, life, is, having a business is eternally solving problems. But it's like the point is to become better and better at solving problems so that the problems that come your way are bigger and bigger because yeah. you're more skilled to solve them. I remember the first time you told me this and I was like, well, fuck, no, <laughs> no, thank you. That, no, I'm not. I'm not signing for this. My first mentor of the first uh, business I, I was managing would call it when I would come to him with these kind of problems that often felt like. And here's the thing is a lot of times these problems feel like damning, mm-hmm. like like there's no way around them, mm-hmm. right? Like you come up to a block and you're like, well, this is it. This is the thing I've been worried about. It's the reason this won't work. Mm. And those are usually new limits, right? And you hadn't hit that before because you hadn't grown into your current limits, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when you do have to reinvent what you're doing in some way to expand to beyond those limits, right? Yeah. Like the way you're doing things has hit its limit. Yeah. You now have to figure out how to do things different to to reach a new level, yeah. right? And my mentor would would always say, "Well, that sounds like a good problem to have." <laughs> I fucking hated him for that. I hated it. You know, he'd always like kind of throw it back in my face like that. But it's true. Like those bigger problems, they can feel really crushing, but they're usually, I mean, have some discernment on it, but they're usually be, they're good problems to have. It means you're growing. Yeah. You know, if you're staying in the same pond, you know, you're probably, you're not really growing very much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, to go back to this question of like, is this foolishness or is this faith? I wonder if that ever goes away, you know? Yeah. Well, to some degree, I think if you're reaching into that realm of imagination, like the nature of what you're doing is imagining that something that isn't real, but could be real. And then you're trying to bring back some of that vision and make it real, right? Yeah. So, like, when you have the vision, it's not real, Yeah. right? It's real in a sense, but it's not It's not actually been stress-tested with reality, Yeah. right? So, like, like, you're always in between those two worlds. And a lot of times, the vision you think is so... I don't know how many thousands of visions I've had now that yeah. haven't become real, right? But Because staying in that world, which is my inclination there's something missing from that. You kind of have, it has to hit the the reality outside, right? Yeah. And then together they create something that is usually wasn't there before, but also wasn't quite what you imagined, yeah. right? And it's like that kind of, that process of transformation. And a lot of times the vision you have when you bring it will, hap- will happen very differently. But then there's also a sense sometimes that in ways you could never have imagined, it starts to move toward the vision you had. So it's this really interesting dialogue back and forth. But I think the really important part about it, especially when you're feeling like, is it connected or not? is like, okay, how do I bring this into fatal contact with reality in some way and see what about it survives that contact? Yeah. And there's a, there's a, there's a terrible, this requires terrible kind of, 
like a really strong grit to do that because man those visions are precious they're sacred they're they're dreams they're things that you really want to believe are going to work and then like to constant and this is something that you do a lot and and that makes (laughs) life being married to you very uh amazing and intense and growth promoting because it's like Oh, here's a vision that's very sacred and special. Let's fucking crash it into reality and see what, what remains after the, after the crash. And like, you have almost, I mean, it's not that you have no problems. There are certain visions I can tell you're hesitant to do that with, but the vast majority of them, you're just like, let's do it. Let's bring it, you know, let's, let's like stress test it into reality. And I think that's what makes your, uh, partnership with Kelly so valuable, like immensely valuable to in ways that are hard to 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 really comprehend sometimes because she she will bring you down to reality and she will bring those visions into reality and and there's a dynamic there that is really important she's a major catalyst in making them happen yeah, uh, yeah. as well which is which has been wonderful i think there's another side to that too which is maybe there's a different word my experience particularly with this company now that we've shifted and maybe we can talk about this in a sec to wild within mm-hmm. from ripout retreats is that Vision is so important, and it's said so many times. And when you're really working on a company, it's it can be like sickening, like nauseating. How many times it's like, okay, what, like what's the vision? Mm-hmm. What, boiling it down, you know. And it takes time. Like you have to do things and come back, and like you're not going to get the vision right in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but when you, as you get a more aligned vision or a vision that feels more true it starts to guide you, right? And it guides your company yeah. and it guides everyone in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's kind of the umbrella everyone's under and it starts to kind of fulfill itself and also new possibilities are are, are available that weren't available in an older vision, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, there's also a sense of like, there's a evolving vision in my inner eye that I'm not going to stray from. Yeah. Like there, there is trying to bring it in different iterations in different forms and, and, and it maturing as well, Mm -hmm. right. From, from some sort of idealism to maybe something that's a little bit more still holds some ideals, but is more real. Yeah. But there's also a sense of like doggedly holding on to that, some of that vision, right? Like you, you let it die in maybe it's current form, but in the values or the, the underlying themes or currents of it, you, you hold on to it and you, persist and trying to find a way to bring it to the world yeah it's like staying staying close to the source but not getting attached to what the source produces yeah yeah to the world yeah and that's really tricky uh, yeah i wish i wish uh this is really the first time we're recording where i'm like i wish we had a visual component to our podcast i wish that we had a, 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 a like video portion of it because your body language when you talk about this thing is on point. Like, I, I just want to say this for people. It's like every time Alistair talks about ideas and visions, it's in the top left corner of his, of his like aura or whatever. Like his hand goes up, his left hand goes up high on the left in there near his head. And reality is diagonally opposite to it where it's like in the bottom right corner of his body. <laughs> and I think it's really interesting. I mean, you you make with it what you want, but I, I just wanted to give that give that information to the listener. There is one place I wanted to go, which kind of feels more maybe grounded in reality. But I think recently you had a moment where something that really helped with the doubts was that you actually went and looked at the finances of yeah, the business yeah. for this year. Yeah, we did that because um, I was, again, having kind of existential <laughs> doubts about what we were doing. Yeah. And uh, I looked at the finances and we had set a goal this year. So last year, I think we top line pulled in like seven and a half thousand dollars and we recorded a net loss Yeah. Um, because we basically did nothing except for teach some workshops. Uh, and then we worked on the, the brand, which we switched to Wild Within, which is more encompassing of, of this vision that mm-hmm. we're talking about, which I think in a nutshell is to help people go on their one wild adventure Mm -hmm. the adventure of their life to live i think we are all i think this is kind of the idea of destiny we all have a destiny and and i think a lot of our work is stepping into it which is not easy and is is a lifetime's work and that would be what i think of as a as our wild life there's a life that we're 
there's something we're born here to do and be. And uh, as humans, we seem to have this ability as a poet, um, David White says to, to avoid our own flowering. Mm. And I think our, what we're, our projects are about is fostering, inspiring, and facilitating that individual flowering that is such a necessary component of a healthy community and society yeah. and of a healthy earth. Yeah. Right. Um, because wild within is clearly based in a, in the appreciation of nature in, and the, 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 the world ecosystem. ecosystem that we live in. Yeah. And so that's part of the vision too, as we go, as we grow as a company is to participate more in the revival and, and sustaining and protection mm-hmm. of that major ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I went and looked at the numbers because I was kind of freaking out because <laughs> it's been a year and a half since, you know, I've had any kind of real paycheck from this company. Yeah. And even then it was minor, you yeah. know. Um, it's definitely not sustaining a life. And you and I have goals for our life and 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 they require money and all that. And uh, so there's a question of like, okay, how long can we Just do this? Just eating. Eating. Yeah, would eating be nice. would be nice. Yeah, eating. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, th- we, this camper that isn't free. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so I went and looked at the numbers, which is always a way to ground me. Mm-hmm. I, and this is what I teach when I work with people in financial coaching. It's like you need to set up numbers and you need to look at them semi-frequently, not yeah. obsess about them, to ground you in the reality of things mm-hmm. because that'll help with your decisions. And so I follow my own medicine on that. And I looked at the numbers and was shocked to see our goal for this year was to hit six figures. Mm-hmm. So to cross the $100,000 mark in top line revenue. Um, which, which was which is a really bold goal if after, you think about it. After, it's ten x. It's, yeah. it's more than ten x. Yeah. what we did last year. Yeah, it's bold. It made us both uncomfortable and fidget <laughs> when we said it, and I had to say it in kind of a bashful tone. <laughs> like, oh, I think you know, maybe a hundred thousand dollars. I know it's kind of. Anyway, I looked at the numbers. We're in June now, or end of May, and we just crossed seventy thousand dollars. And we're on track to get close or pass um, because uh, the bulk of our trips are this summer, but we have another one. And we're on track to get past yeah. the $100,000 mark. There's a lot of expenses that go on. I was going to say, I think, I think like th- this is a good point to So this is still not a, this is still not a number. This is not nowhere close to a number that supports Kelly and I mm-hmm. to work on this full time. Yeah. It's a huge milestone though, to cross six figures as any business owner knows. Yeah. And it looks like we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a really powerful realization and like a check, like, no, this is real. Yeah. <laughs> like this is, this is coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with like a really painful process that took a, you know, a long time and is still, still going, but of, of shifting this company to wild within, mm-hmm. which had, a, which was a much more inspiring an aligned vision mm-hmm. and much more expansive that like kind of opened the doors for the playgrounds we were mm-hmm. wanting to play in. Yeah. I think there's, there's something that comes up as you share so candidly about the process, which I think is one of the key to, to have success with a business, especially the type of business that you're, you're running, which is like, you're not trying to fluff when you're like in the marketing aspect of things, I feel like some people almost, it feels like they're trying to hide the lack of vision behind their uh, business by fluffing. I think a lot of times, and unfortunately it works, is that you can broadcast success or the image is success yeah. and then that can make you successful. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, there's a that's been something to probably play with because to some degree you don't have to just you you don't want to just show up to people and like hey we don't know what the fuck we're doing give us your money you kind of have to there is some faking it till you make it but but it's more of a of a taking the posture that you want to that you want to assume uh i don't think it's a fake it I, i found it better to ground that in what we're doing rather than in the success we're having mm-hmm. at, at least at this point yeah like w- when we're early on it's like grounding it in our our belief and our faith in wilderness being medicine mm-hmm. and our belief and our faith in taking these kind of journeys with with small groups mm-hmm. as being transformative mm-hmm. and our belief and our faith in finding this wild aspect of ourselves and living from that place and that we all have 
a, a wonderful, abundant, beautiful life yeah. that, that we can tap into and it's inward. It's, or it's already there at yeah. least. Right. Yeah. And, and, and kind of marrying that with uh, our love for, for travel and exploration and adventure. Yeah. I mean, it seems, it seems to me that as you, as you've talked about over and over again, and it seems that it's a theme for everything we're doing in our lives is like this idea of faith because faith is not just for you and to sustain you on your journey. We desperately are, are needing faith. And I think if you embody faith and you broadcast it, people will be attracted to that. And so what you're saying, rather than saying, uh, here's the success we're having saying, here's the faith we have in what we're doing. But I think, and you said embody faith and I was going to say grounded faith, right? Mm -hmm. Not just, like, I think there's, it's important to make that distinction. Yeah. And that comes from experience that it, comes from actually living it. Yeah. And it's that, you know, build it and they will come. Like that's the, I think this is the image that keeps coming to me. It's like, grounded faith what's more grounded faith than having the having enough faith to build something and 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 just rooted in your experience and and, and what matters and like, in the earth and in the you know like yeah. in the reality tangible reality to to say here's a place where we are working on faith both of faith on what we're building faith in ourselves faith in everyone else and then people are drawn to that and i think that's probably uh, what's what's working and the only way that i know to build faith is to doubt a whole fucking lot i don't know if you would agree with that but like it seems like this journey with with especially with the rebranding and the and and still now is a lot of doubting and a lot of questioning it's still a question if we can if we can support ourselves with this or or you know there's another question is do we want to mm. you know because as it starts to grow it takes up more space in your life. Yeah. And it's always a bit of a surprise. How, like you may have some expectations or how that's going to feel or be. Yeah. But the reality of it is always very different. Yeah. Right. Like leading, like right now, it, and it's causing us to question how we do things like leading retreats in faraway countries takes a toll, you mm -hmm. know, like organizing is, that's a really difficult project to organize. You have to travel there. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a, it takes a lot of attention And do we really want to be doing that as a business model? Yeah. I, I think we're still searching for our business model. I think we have some, particularly Yosemite, and, and I think Guatemala may end up being this too, these kind of flagship trips that we offer that will continue to hone and refine. Yeah. Uh, and, and particularly Yosemite, because we have more experience with that one. I, I love that. But it's still a question of like, okay, but that's not... That's great, but it doesn't feel like a business model, totally. And mm -hmm. we're asking, like, okay, well, because we're also growing, Kelly and I, as as people. And the other aspect of this, for if you start a small business like this, is that you want it to support your life, yeah. right? Like, and not just the other way around. Totally. And and so as that evolves, you have to continuously ask: Is this supporting my life? Is this make? Is this improving the quality of my life? Is this helping me is this serving me and other people is this helping me do yeah. what i want to do yeah and so i think we've been asking that like you know for me a question has been like i'd like to do more things in the u.s i'd like to do i mean i'd like to have that be a focus and i'd like to find a repeatable kind of format we're exploring maybe three night like weekend workshops in wild places mm -hmm. um with to and and for me like bringing in Um, I know Kelly wants to bring in, she's a physical therapist and highly specialized in that and a yoga instructor. And we'd like to bring in more of the, of the anatomy aspect yeah. of, of what she knows about the body into what we're doing. I would like to bring our medicine work more and more into this company um, and what we're doing in, in a more shamanic lineage, mm -hmm. because I think that's also very complementary. So it's con continuously like trying to bring more and more of our life under this umbrella and make sure that it's allowing us to live a life that's in integrity. Yeah, I think, I know this is not what you're doing. I know you're not, the, the, the word church is very uh, connotated, but I keep thinking about this, build it, build it, and they will come. Well, I think, I think we are, this is a search for meaning. Yeah. This is a search for creating a more, like a way of finding more meaning in our lives. Yeah. That's very personal. Yeah. It's like, 
It's a search I'm on. Yeah. And it's one that as I'm on it, I want to kind of share what I'm learning and share that journey mm-hmm. with others who are on it or want to be on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a huge, and I think that's what the church is there for, right? Is yeah. To serve meaning. Yeah. And so I think this like is the a, archetype of the church and the build it and they will come. Yeah. Like that's kind of, and this when you a journey were, of trying to find meaning. Yeah. And when you were talking and saying like, how do I, how do I make sure how do like the questions of what I'm building? Is it going to sustain me? Or is it kind of a one-way street? Because on some level, you, in the beginning of an endeavor like that, you pour a lot of resources, money, time, energy, vital force, creative like libido and, and like energy into this project, into this entity that is the company as like with the faith and the trust that if you do it well enough, you build it and they will come in the sense that you build it and this becomes a place that not only ends up serving you and sustaining you, but also sustaining the community that comes there. But it's a really, man, what a, what an act of faith. Well, yes. I think also you get reaffirmed as you go, right? Yes. Like you, there's, there's feedback as you go. I think it's Seth Godin who says every overnight success is 10 years in the making. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's really true. And by that metric, you know, we're like what three years in, yeah, so, I think so watch out in another seven years. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's part of the filtering process, right? Of is like, can can you stick with this? Is the vision, is the purpose, is the meaning strong enough? Do you care enough about it? Yeah. To stick with it through the uh, inevitable ups and downs. Yeah. To make it something of substance, and it's like, yes, if you build it, they will come. I built a lot of things where no one came. Yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> uh, and I think there's also like, you know, building yourself. I'm not sure that's the best metaphor, but it's like, and this is why this this whole thing is so, for me, intertwined with like my spiritual path. It's a journey of personal growth, right? It, I think business really forces me to develop a lot of what I would call call spiritual qualities. Mm-hmm. And it's almost an arena where you, you can see, you can kind of see how they're coming along mm-hmm. as well. And so I think a lot, I, I, more and more these days, I tend to equate the success of this business with my own personal growth and my own ability to mature and grow in, in the process. And thank you for being here, listener. Thank this you. podcast is another thing we're uh, building so people can come. So <laughs> we hope you're enjoying the beverage. Uh, beverages. And the muffins. Well, muffins. Uh, Sam makes good muffins. I try. (laughs) This is the moment in the podcast where I reiterate as sort of the lead interviewer of this conversation. Kelly, we need you to come and chime in on this. I want to have many more conversations about this. And I I kept visualizing Kelly in the room with us. Yeah, it would be fun to have her here. I I think we will soon because I would definitely like to debrief uh on the podcast how these next two trips in yosemite go hell yeah um, that would be cool and i'd be moderator <laughs> yeah I, li- I like doing that and like i'd also kind of... kelly and i have also done a lot of personality work between each other since we teach type workshops mm-hmm. and i think it'd be fun to explore the uh quirks and idiosyncrasies of, of working together uh and give her a voice on that recently alistair was telling me how he has a a lot of resistance to uh, the idea of polyamory because it seems crazy to imagine like conscious ethical polyamory where you have really deep relationships with more than one person because he's like I see how much work it takes with you and yesterday I was like dude you're totally in a polyamorous lifestyle (laughs) you have a business partner that you have to have these deep conversations with it's like dude you're you're stuck It's, it's an incredible amount of work yeah and which is why at least in this kind of business and many like really think about the partnership and to some degree you never know because it's going to blossom and it's going to grow but there's some usually some pretty good warning signs in the beginning because the partner like you're so linked at the hip Mm -hmm. with where with their growth with their life choices and yours that that is like one of the core 
aspects of it and, and then throw you get in that any, wrong and nothing's gonna yeah. you know and then throw in any life partners that both have and yeah. then it's like a weird foursome where everyone's attached at the hip and you're like oh you're going that way oh god I guess I'm going that way as well oh. it can also be a really <laughs> wonderful journey that challenges each other to oh grow. my god it's 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 incredible all around it's just anything worth while is kind of challenging but think very hard before you get into a partnership (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's it for today you know the drill if you want to support this podcast and supporting this podcast helps it continue into the future anything you do keeps it going yes yes because uh don't think that the doubts don't apply to this podcast (laughs) so often we wonder where the fuck we're doing this so and if anyone's listening so uh (laughs) Hello? Is anyone <laughs> hello, there? Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, it's it, we know you're there. It's just not the same we have when the numbers you don't to have it, but... when you don't have the the feedback. So if you want to support this podcast, you can do so three ways, multiple ways, but let's just stick with the usual three. You can become a patron, patreon.com slash the far out couple. Every little bit helps and it it's more so the uh, spiritual energetical engagement than the actual money that is given is just like ah someone's here and supporting us longer term wonderful you can also share this podcast with a friend you can think about yourself as a producer mm-hmm. in, in that role that's yeah. basically your, your patron totally is. Yeah. Yeah. you can share this episode with a friend if you've enjoyed it and or any other episode that you've listened to and you're like oh man I'm sure this person would really like this send it over uh, and the last thing is you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps with the algorithm thingy also it just it just helps us no it's just really, ha- it really it's nice to nice. see uh, feedback yeah, about, it is. about the about the podcast. So. We love you. We love you very See much. See you next week. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.